Noella, you've been getting a lot of notoriety lately, uh, being named an artist to watch on Soul Train and also being featured on VH1. Uh, what are your goals for the rest of 2014? Um, this year is going to be a lot of just continuing to write more songs, um, develop my sound a bit more, um, and just really look forward to the next album to come out in 2015. I'm coming to the end of, I guess, the album cycle for Aware, which I put out to the end of 2012. So the album's done amazing, but it's taken a while kind of to get noticed. And so now I'm just kind of at the end of that and beginning to look towards the next project. Great. And are you currently actively working on the next project, writing songs or recording songs? Yeah, I'm uh, currently demoing songs that I've written and continuing to write new songs and just trying to push myself in terms of writing and just the style that I want to put out there in terms of production and how it's going to sound when it's all finished. So it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting because as a writer, you like, I usually write either on acoustic or piano and it's just really bare bones, but now playing around at home with my keyboard and MIDI and trying to find different beats that I like or tones of the guitar or different piano sounds and just experimenting is making the process just a lot more different, but also just more exciting for me. That's great. It'll be really nice to hear uh, what you have in store for your next album. Your website describes you as Canadian, Swiss, and Kenyan. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Edmonton, Alberta? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was born in Kenya. My mom is Kenyan and my dad is Swiss. So after, I think I was like one, and then we moved to Switzerland. So we lived there for a couple years. And then we moved to Canada. And we lived in British Columbia for about seven years. So when we left, I was just finishing grade seven. And we ended up moving to the Bahamas. And we were there for five years. And then we moved back to Canada, um, and I finished my high school education and continued on to college. And we've been here, I think, since, uh, when was that, 2003, 2004? So we've been here a while now and planning on staying in Canada for a while. How did all that moving around um, help you form yourself as a person? Um, I think I'm able to see just how the different each place had their own unique culture to it. And so I think that contributed a lot to my worldview and just being able to appreciate everything and appreciate the different cultures and be more open to different things and different ways of life because everybody's truly unique in their own way. So I think coming to Edmonton, you know, I've met people who've never even left the province and have a very narrow-minded a view of what the world looks like, because not every place you're going to go to is going to look like Edmonton. So I think I'm really fortunate in that way to have seen a lot of different places um, and to experience different cultures. Do you think that those different cultures affected you musically as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially in the Caribbean, um, in the Bahamas, just the whole soca, reggae flavor, it definitely seeps in here now and again. It's not the overall sound of it, but, I mean, there's one song, um, The Good In Me, where the bridge has definitely kind of got that reggae flavor to it. 
or the dance hall flavor, which I love that stuff. But for me to do a reggae album just isn't <laughs> not exactly very authentic because, you know, that's I didn't grow up with that. But I've I've been in that environment and have experienced that for a little bit in my life. So, you know, it's part of me, but it's not all of me. So I'm able to kind of bring it in here now and again. Yeah, and Good Me actually is one of the songs that we're going to feature here on the program. Uh, do you mind telling us what it's all about? The Good In Me is a song that I wrote, um, kind of just talking about the struggle of just yourself and, you know, sometimes you're fighting with all these other elements in the world that are coming at you, you know, just different things going on during the day and just decisions you have to make and you're always questioning whether or not you're doing the right thing or making the right choices. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well am I finding the good in me? And it's just, it's kind of a question that I was asking myself at that time. Like, is this good for me? Is this kind of where I want to be in my life right now? And it's not necessarily resolved. It's still an ongoing thing that I ask myself every day. So it's just kind of a question I put out there to the world. That's really interesting because I've noticed that your latest album has been referred to as very introspective. Is that sort of something that you were going through at that particular time? Or like you said, is it sort of an ongoing process for you as an artist? I think at that time, it was definitely the focus of the album was looking inwards and becoming, quote unquote, aware of who I am um, as an artist and as a person. I had, at that point, changed my artist name to Noella Charles. And it was just a moment where I was like, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be. And just trying to really dive into what that actually is and really looking into myself um, and what I wanted to put out there. Because I think sometimes it's easier just to put out an album full of love songs and dance hits or whatnot. But I wanted it just to have a deeper meaning to it. Let's take a listen to one of the more meaningful and also most successful tracks off of that album, Aware. It's Good In Me, which was featured on VH1's Single Ladies. Like it's running away 
good in me off Noella Charles' latest album, Aware. We're back with Noella, and before the break we were discussing giving depth and meaning to music. Is that initially what drew you to music, Noella? Yeah, definitely. It was. I mean, music for me has always been an outlet um, to be able to just express the way that I'm feeling in a certain time, you know? And that feeling's definitely going to change, and so are the songs and the content of of what I'm singing about in the songs. So it's just a way to, you know, essentially express yourself. And, you know, I have lots of musician friends and they all do it differently. So it's just a way to, for me to contribute to the world, I think. When did you first get involved in music? Was it as a, as a kid or did it come a little bit later? As a kid, I was always in choirs and school and stuff, but it wasn't until we moved to the Bahamas where I started to teach myself how to play the guitar and the piano. And from there, you know, songwriting slowly came up. And I knew maybe like three or four chords and I was writing songs and I thought they were just the best thing ever. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where it started. And then when we moved back to Canada, I was able to further develop that and um, take some formal training. And yeah, just after college decided it was what I wanted to pursue and see where it took me and here I am. What sort of songs were you writing back then? Were you writing the type of soul and and reggae sort of feel that you have now or was it something completely different? Oh, it was completely different. Back then it was, you know, the time of, I think it was the the revolution of the singer, uh, the female singer songwriters. So there's Avril Lavigne and, you know, Fifi Dobson, Michelle Branch, all of those were very, very popular. So my songs were definitely very angst filled, <laughs> um, your pop rock type of acoustic guitar driven songs where I was mad at the world. <laughs> um, so those songs are definitely hidden far, far away in a cave somewhere. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, once I moved back to Canada and, you know, went to school, it it allowed me to, I guess, discover my sound and play more with the jazzier elements um, and the more of the soulful uh, way of singing and the production that goes with it and everything. So, I mean, it's been a process and I'm still continually, you know, trying to find my sound and develop on it. And, you know, find something fresh to me. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Did you first start listening to soul when you moved back to Canada? or? All my parents were always very big into really just great music. From soul, R&B to blues, rock and roll. I mean, they really just always had it in the house. And then as a kid, you know, grow up watching Disney and you have the Mickey Mouse Club and all of that fun stuff. Um, and then coming back to Canada, it was just, it was really different. One, being a teenager, going into my early 20s and trying to figure out what is this culture? Because it's so removed from the Bahamas and what their culture is and what the kids listen to there to come into Canada and just trying to figure out where you fit. <laughs> And for me, like the music I do, I don't really consider it full on soul because when I talk about soul, I'm talking like Marvin Gaye, you know, like back in the day type of soul. Mm-hmm. And even with, when it comes to like R&B, I think of, you know, Aaliyah, you know, or Usher, like that kind of R&B type music. And I don't think I make that. And so I kind of call my music alternative soul 
because it has, you know, soulful elements to it, but it's definitely a bit dirtier and more alternative to it. When I hear you say that, I think of Unfortunate Love. It has that vintage soul feel, but you're right, it's like soul plus. It's got uh, yeah. just that other element to it, too. And definitely, like, the live show is a lot more kind of like a not full-on rock band, but, I mean, my electric guitarist just goes in, you know, and I give him the freedom to to do his thing because that's what I love. I love going to a show and seeing a full band and just a full band performing to their fullest, and that's just what I really love and what I want to put out. Well, some of the reviews out there also compare you to, like, Amy Winehouse and, and Nina Simone. Do you welcome those sort of comparisons, being compared to these, uh, you know, great female legends? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't? I mean, you know, it's always a, a compliment. And I think people, if they haven't heard of you, they need a point of reference, you know. And so any great point, like those are amazing points of references to go to. So I'm just flattered um, that people think that I'm in the same vein as those artists. Here's one of those songs that definitely lends itself to comparison. And it's actually my favorite song off of the album, Where. It's Unfortunate Love. Yeah. 
You're listening to Mondays with Merit, and we're back with Noella Charles. We're discussing alternative soul music. Noella, a popular expression nowadays is everything is a remix. Do you think that's true of music, too, or is there still room for creativity out there? Um, I do believe that there is nothing new under the sun. Um, and, yeah, I mean, everything that I think... Well, I can't really say that. Like, I don't know. I mean, the fundamentals, I think, of music... And music history, jazz, rock, blues, classical, like whatever. The basics of that have already been established. And, you know, people always reference certain classic albums. Even now, like trying to figure out the tone for a certain sound, you'll always be like, oh, I want that electric guitar tone on this Eric Clapton album. Or, you know, like you're always going to reference something that's already happened to kind of get an idea of where you want to take it. But I think as an artist, you want to be able to put your own spin on it. That's what I like about the the recording process is being able to take a song you've written and yeah, it might be in the same vein as an Amy Winehouse, but then putting your spin on it and giving it the Nuella Charles sound. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I think artists should be doing. Um, But now with, I mean, top 40, radio it's all about the dance hits right so everybody's trying to follow this formula of you know making an upbeat tempo dance song that's happy and you know people can enjoy they don't really have to think about what it's saying um and it'll be a hit so i mean there's a difference and i think it's all about what kind of artist you want to be at the end of the day like do you want to be a top 40 dance artist or do you want to make songs that mean something and not to say that your songs that mean something can't make the top 40 because I it happens all the time but it's just what approach do you want to take from the get-go I think that is a huge divide between artists but it's nice to see artists like yourself and and the Alabama Shakes for example that are creating this great sort of throwback sound that's combined with really passionate lyrics and really and and dense music Mm -hmm. do you think that with the internet and with the ability to communicate on a, on a more social and broad level that artists that are doing their own thing are going to get more um, uh, notice and influence? Definitely. I mean, a lot of the reviews and whatnot I've gotten, I have, it's from people I've never even met and from places I didn't even know if they were listening to my music. Like, the whole Soul Train thing was kind of out of nowhere. I had no idea that anybody from that uh company or that group knew who I was so that was amazing and then just even being able to see you know the music go internationally and have that audience you know for me I haven't really traveled that much outside of Canada like I went to Switzerland and did a tour there um but outside of that it's it's always harder to do it on your own but knowing that the internet can carry your music far beyond where I could take it physically, you know, it's just amazing. And has that been something that you've deliberately tried to do to try to spread it through the internet or has it happened sort of organically? As an artist today, it should be part of your strategic plan because, I mean, the internet is king, really. It's just where everything lives. So it's definitely part of the plan. I probably could have done a better job at it. (laughs) Not going (laughs) to lie. Um, A lot of... With the last album, it was all independent, so everything I did was 
my own, like my own publicity, my own marketing, everything. So there was only so far I could take it. Um, and I think at one point I just had to let it be and let it go and hope that it reaches people that I want to reach. So what was the first media outlet that reached out to you and said, Hey, this album's pretty good. We're going to review it. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I know CBC in Canada here is kind of like, uh, the state's NPR. I think it was during a contest last spring where the song Unfortunate Love was the song I submitted. And once they heard that, people were like, who is this? Like, what is going on? Where is this person from? And then they started reaching out to me and, you know, just being really supportive of what I'm doing. So I think that being able to showcase that on a national scale was really awesome. Um, and I think that's just was kind of the launching pad for everything else. How did you feel when you first got noticed like that by the CBC? I was amazing. My phone started uh, just going off because I still remember I was I was working um, and my Twitter started going crazy and everybody was texting me because apparently uh, one of the CBC DJs was on the radio across the country just yelling <laughs> um, <laughs> because my song hadn't made it past like the third round or whatever because it was all based on uh, audience voting, right? So people had to vote who they wanted to go through uh, based on their city. And so Edmonton apparently hadn't been voting for me. And so I didn't make it past, which I was like, okay, that's fine. But he was really angry and distraught. And so he made a point to <laughs> make sure everybody check out who I was. And wow. from, from there, it was just kind of, you know, you could see people were listening to the album and buying it. And it just really opened up um, even just performance opportunities, um, and festivals and stuff like that here in Canada. So yeah, that was great. I, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. That is great. And you said that you performed in Switzerland too. What's it like playing for an international audience like that? It's cool. It's different. Um, they're very reserved. <laughs> they're just, yeah. But for them, if they're going to a show, you know, they're there for the music, which is not an awesome thing here in Canada you'll go you know even if it's an acoustic show you're playing in a cafe but probably 75% of those people aren't there to see you they're just there because it's a cafe that they hang out in right so in Switzerland and I think in most European countries when it's when they have concerts on the focus is the music and people really do support you know culture and live performances and music drama and all that stuff so it was really really nice to be able to play in front of audiences that actually wanted to hear the music and listen to it so yeah it was great yeah that sounds like quite an amazing time i think it's just wild that you know in another country across the ocean people there know noella charles and they're listening to her and they're they're that serious about your music i think that's it's, great it's crazy yeah and i mean the best show that I had, we played in Bern, and I, like, the whole tour was acoustic, but in this town, I had um, a trio, so it was three of us, and the place was sold out, and I mean, I've never played there before, and most of these people never met, but it was because they went online, listened to the music beforehand, and then were like, yes, I'm going to go to the show, and the place was, I mean, they were turning people away, which is like crazy. So that was really exciting for me. Um, I think that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. 
if you could have it your way and produce that either independently and know that you were going to be able to reach the audience you wanted to reach or signing up with a record label and having them take care of the publicity, which would you pick? Oh, it's a hard question. Um, I, if I could record the album myself and then the record label could publicize it, that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) They could handle all the marketing. I mean, yeah, it just it depends on what kind of deal. I mean, as an artist, you can really do everything yourself now, which is great. But at the same time, to have the power of like a major record label behind you is always an amazing thing because you know that at the end of the day, people are going to hear. I don't know. It's tough. I, I wrestle with it a lot. It's something that always comes up, but I just don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish there was a way that people could have preserve that autonomy, but also still have the influence. Yeah, exactly. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll certainly be promoting you, and you'll be heard in uh, Eastern United States. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs>